folks, and welcome to the A to Z Sports Big Orange Podcast. I'm Charlie Burris, here with my co-host and A to Z Sports Tennessee writer, Zach Reagan, wherever you listen throughout the world. We thank you so much for listening to us. Zach and I talk everything balls every week here on the Big Orange Podcast, if that sounds good to you. Make sure that you go over to the A to Z Sports Podcast Network feed on iTunes and Spotify. Subscribe, rate, review, uh, all of that stuff, because uh, all of our new episodes drop every Monday morning. And you won't miss a thing if you subscribe and you help us out if you review. So everybody wins. You can follow us on social media at Charlie underscore Burris, at Zach TNT, at A to Z Sports. On Twitter and Instagram, Facebook.com slash A to Z Sports Nashville, A to Z Sports Nashville dot com for everything Zach writes. Now that we got the academics out of the way, let's get right to it. Tennessee looked good for a half. <laughs> they had the lead against Georgia yesterday, 21-17. And then they didn't. Tennessee drops a 2-1 and one after... A pretty ugly loss, ultimately, at Georgia yesterday. Zach, how you feeling? That's the worst kind of loss you can have. I mean, you'd have hope that first play. You score a touchdown on the fumble recovery, leading at half, and then to watch it slip away the way it did. Has to be frustrating for Tennessee fans. And that's how I felt last night after the game. I, I wrote a column. It's just what I was feeling after the game, and it was just frustration. It's like Tennessee seemingly doing everything right, yet they haven't been able to get over this hump yet. Felt like it was going to be yesterday, and it was just the same old, same old. You know what it was exactly like? And I'm not saying Pruitt is duly, but it was exactly like the 2012 Florida game. Mm -hmm. I believe you won your first two games. You're coming in hot. Big game, everybody's ranked, everybody's excited, Tennessee leads at the half, it's exactly what happened in the 2012 Florida game, and that second half, you just implode. It was just crushing, because you saw, especially with that goal line stand, we're going to talk about all of it, but the goal line stand in the half, I wanted to just get up from my couch and like run through my wall. I was just like, this is, you really asserted, the, the defensive line asserted themselves and showed that, like, Tennessee is here. Welcome back. We're playing big boy football. And then that's the second half. That's the second half. It it hurt. It hurt really bad. Um, yeah, I'm with you. I mean, I felt like the tide was turning right then. That goal line stand, uh, that's how you win games. I mean, I think exactly. you said it last week. You're going to win this game or lose this game in the trenches. Ultimately, Tennessee lost it in the trenches, but it looked like they were going to win it in the trenches at the end of the second half, and that's why the second half was so frustrating. I mean, the offensive line that we've heard about all week, all the buildup, it was a letdown in the second half, and I don't know why. The talent's there. I saw plenty of people questioning Will Friend as the offensive line coach, which, which I'm sure we'll get into, but... You know, he has a, a good resume and I, I don't I don't understand why it failed yesterday. Well let's let's get into it. We're gonna uh just like last week, let's grade every position group because it's th- there's definitely a lot of disparity here among how everybody played. And and as we always kind of do, let's start with the quarterback position. Jarek Arantano. W- really a tale of two halves, as we've already said. What would you uh, grade his performance yesterday. It's it's tough again. It's always tough with him. He did some good things. He has improved. I mean, he he's better than he was, but he's still not the guy that's ever going to take Tennessee to the point where they're winning these games. I mean, I feel like maybe a C at best. At best, I I mean honestly, I I would go like I might go D. It was. And and it's hard when you bring in the offensive line element. Yes, that certainly affected the way that he played. That first half was one of the only times I've ever watched Eric Garantano. And for an extended period of time, I went, he is actually helping the team in a real way. He was making good, smart plays, nailing throws. The throw to Josh Palmer, mm-hmm. 
in the end zone that where Josh Palmer was a nice foot drag. He, I mean, he dropped it right into exactly where that ball needed to go. And, and Palmer made the play and you scored a touchdown. JG was making plays. And, and despite the fact that the offensive line was getting whipped, he was making plays. He was even, he had a couple of plays where he, he felt the pressure and he rolled out, which is something that, I mean, that's a new revelation. That's something he's never done. And it, and I was like, whoa, this, hey, look at that play. That's not something he usually does. He usually just gets racked <laughs> and, and just goes down really hard. Um, I think he was the, actually, I go, think ahead, the, go ahead. I think the problem with Garantano is the fact that he does do some good things, but this offensive line they didn't play well yesterday, but it's still a better offensive line than Josh Dobbs ever had while at Tennessee. Yeah. And Josh Dobbs wasn't the most accurate passer either. If Josh Dobbs was just sitting in the pocket all day long, never rolling out, never running some of those spectacular plays that we saw him him make, people would, would have been just as frustrated with him because he was often high on his throws. He missed a lot of open receivers a lot of times. But when the plays broke down, he made things happen. He made special things happen. And Garantano does not have that ability. And sometimes the offensive line is going to break down. Sometimes they're going to get wore down. They're going to have a bad game. you got to have a quarterback that can kind of make up for some of that, that can hide some of those deficiencies. And he's just not capable of it. He's not. He's just not. And it's kind of that simple. Um, you bring in the, a couple of, uh, I believe, Three strip sacks. One was recovered, and then he throws an interception. And I, or did he? Did he yeah, blow he threw, all... an, he threw an interception. Yeah. Okay. Yes. Exactly. So three three strip sacks, um, recovered one, and lost two, and then, uh, yeah, an interception was twenty three of thirty six for two touchdowns with that interception. It's not good overall. I mean, just come on. The, the, what are we doing? The, this is my feeling on Jerry Garantano right now. What are we doing? Move on. Move on. I, I, it's, it's hard for me to give any other take right now because you're out of the SEC East race. Georgia's better than you. If you play the way that you did, you're not going to beat Florida. If you play the way they did, you're not going to beat Texas A&M. You're out of the SEC East race. Play somebody else. I think That's it. I, I don't want to be doom and gloom like that. That's it. You're Let's right. be totally straight down the middle here. But I think, I think the reason Jeremy Pruitt is not making any changes because he still feels like Garantano gives them the best chance to win weekly, which is probably true, but you're not really gaining anything. You're not building the team. You're not giving anybody else experience. I think Pruitt does is afraid of finishing four and six or five and five with a young quarterback and Tennessee getting hurt in recruiting. I think he really wants to finish like seven and three and Georgia's really good, but Tennessee could probably beat like Florida with Garantano. I'm not saying they will, but they can if he plays well. Florida's defense is is pretty terrible. Without Garantano, does a young quarterback come in and give them that same chance to win that game? I don't know. I mean, I feel I agree. I wish he would go with a, another quarterback just to give Bailey or Shroud or, or Brian Maurer some experience. I just think he's scared to death of, of finishing five and five. That's probably true, and it's probably what would happen. I, I think a young quarterback throwing him in the line of fire like that is you're asking a lot of them. But just come on, man. It's it's tough to watch week in and week out. A guy in his fifth year play this way. Fifth! I, like, you have... He is who we thought he is. <laughs> you know? I think I said that before. It's just tough to watch, and that you know, here we are. That's that's that. Let's and and we can kind of debate all day about if they should switch. I agree with you. I think that is what Pruitt is thinking. He probably does technically give you the best chance to win, but just to get some new blood in there, mm-hmm. get somebody else working, get somebody a chance, uh, somebody who might have a much higher ceiling, a chance. I actually uh, saw an interesting comment on Twitter last night. Somebody suggested why. You know why had why are they not giving another quarterback some time here in garbage time just to get some experience? Somebody replied, "Well, you know, you put JT Shroud in there, and suddenly he throws for you know has a big drive, throws 50, 60 yards on a drive, and everybody's going to be clamoring for him to start." You have a crew that doesn't want to deal with that. Yeah, I can yeah. I can kind of see it, but yeah, those are valuable reps. Those kids need that. If Garantano does go down, 
mean, what are you going to do then? Yeah, exactly. I mean, exactly. Yeah. You you want to have somebody back there that you believe in, and it's pretty clear that Pruitt, and whatever, however that is manifesting itself, he does not believe in the guys that he has behind Jerry Carantano. So that's that. Let's move on to to the running backs. I, I mean, to me, this, this one's tough. Um, I mean, I guess I got to go like C, C, C minus because they got crushed. Uh, Tennessee, this is 100% true. Negative one yards rushing yesterday, but that takes into account negative 40 yards for Jarek Arantano, which involves a lot of sacks. Yeah. But even, with, <laughs> even, if, even, even if you take away Garantano's negative 40, it's still 39 it's, rushing yeah, yards, which 39. is pretty, pretty terrible. You're not going to win any SEC games running the ball for 39 Eric yards. Gray yeah, Eric Gray averaged three yards a carry. Ty Chandler, one and a half. Come on. And the, I mean, the, you you were playing you were playing. Let's be completely honest here. You were playing probably the best defensive line in the SEC. Probably the in nation. fact, I, I would say almost not even probably. You were yeah, I think. probably the best defense in the country. Really, for being yeah, honest, probably uh, they they're extremely stingy and just a, a they're a force. I mean, Kirby has stacked that defense with five stars, and it manifested itself in Tennessee getting crushed. And this was I said it last week on this show. My absolute nightmare for this game was that Georgia completely takes away the run game. This was worse than I could have imagined. I'll say that. Like, them taking away the run game was like 75 yards rushing. You maybe have a few little breakouts that help you move a drive down the field even still. That didn't, that never happened. That didn't even, what was the longest run yesterday? Seven yards, maybe? Eight yards by Eric Gray. It was frustrating because as as, as soon as Gray or Chandler took the handoff, you could see that it was going nowhere. I mean, it was immediate. They were immediately there in the backfield, just about with the pressure. It was. They were just wasted plays. Tough to watch. Yeah, yeah. I will say, Eric Gray looked play. good in the passing game, at least. He did. He and he moved the ball well. They definitely they leaned on Eric Gray and really Eric Gray and Josh Palmer. That was the whole offense yesterday. Um, and I'm fine with that. You got to do what you got to do to move the ball. But man, alive, they just got crushed. So I, yeah, I can't go any higher. Than and not. Not to go back to Garantano too much, but his ceiling is so limited in the passing game that Tennessee has to rely on the running game a little more to win. I mean, just like we saw last year with the Mississippi State game, they're kind of afraid to give Garantano the ball in certain situations. So if the running game's not working, I mean, it's 50-50 if you're going to have a pass completed downfield by Garantano. And and defenses know that. They know they can kind of zero in on the run because they don't need to – drop as many in the coverage against Garantano. No, it, it just, it allowed his, his inability to throw the ball really allowed. I mean, Georgia knew what they had, what they were facing coming in really well. Kirby did. Let's just say it. Kirby did a good job. He's certainly not proved himself to be an elite coach and on the field coach, but he had a pretty easy job yesterday. Cause he just said, we got power up front. I can stop this run. I know I can. And then you don't really have to worry that much about getting hit uh, through the air. And he was right. He, he he was absolutely right with the way that he schemed yesterday. And um, that's that's about the long and the short of it. They just, like you said, they handed the ball off, and you're like, it's done. This it's this isn't happening. You just knew it. Um, but let's go to uh, wide receivers. This one maybe like one of the only. Uh, one of the only position groups on the field, I kind of go, eh, yeah, had a decent day. What did you think of the wide receivers? Hey, Josh Palmer is the star of the show. I mean, he is the the best offensive player not named Eric Gray, really, at this point. I think you – know, I was watching the Ole Miss game last night, and I said their tight end took a touchdown down the seam against Alabama. It was a long touchdown, 45, 50 yards or something. It's like that's kind of what Tennessee's missing right now. They don't have a tight end – at all making plays to kind of open up things for the wide receivers. And that really in a Jim Chaney offense is surprising. I don't know if they don't have a guy and I know we've talked about it before, but I really feel like it limits the passing game. I mean, it's kind of just Josh Palmer, Brandon Johnson makes some plays. There wasn't a lot of offense yesterday, a lot of chances, but Josh Palmer looked good. I still probably go C plus nothing spectacular. Yeah, I, I would agree. At at most, yeah, like B minus ish, um, 
because it was they they were really the only part of the offense that worked in any way. Uh, it's just it is the, tough. The lack of a tight end just really I don't. It, yeah, you're exactly right. Jared Garantano at his best, um, hands the ball off, <laughs> but then also he he can play dink and dunk football to some extent, and taking a tight end away. I mean, that's the whole thing. When you're playing more of a pro-style uh, offense and you take a tight end away, that's just such a huge element in making that sort of offense work. And it people are criticizing Cheney, probably rightly so, but to a decent extent, his hands are tied in the way that he can call plays right now. JG doesn't the have way. the ability to do certain things. He doesn't have a tight end. The, uh, and, uh, you know, yesterday was completely exasperated because the offensive line was getting rocked. And so here we are. This is sort of what you get in that situation. I was kind of surprised on Twitter. I kind of said that same thing, that, that Garantano really limits the play calling of Jim Chaney. And some people agree, but I was surprised at the amount of people that are like, what are you talking about? This is a terrible take. Like Cheney's proved himself as a play caller. I mean, the yeah. guy has done it at the highest level at several different programs and had success. It's it's the offensive line yesterday, and it's Garantano. What are you supposed to do when that's what you have to work with? I, I don't know what else they wanted Cheney to do. He can't complete passes. He can't block. He can't create holes for, for the running backs. What's he supposed to do? I mean, if you want to run a read option with Jared Garantano, which like this, Cheney is – not that that was Butch's whole thing, and it's not Cheney's whole thing. But like, if he wanted to do that, Jared's not running. You don't have to worry about Jared in that situation. <laughs> and so that just it's taken away. That's just something you can't do, and that's that really frustrating on its face. But also, like I I, I don't want to give Cheney a full pass. He gets too cute. He he does things that kind of baffle me sometimes. At the same time. Ah, it's hard for me to look at what happened yesterday and just say that he's any kind of the problem that Tennessee needs to be honing in on here. So let's let's move on to what was easily the most disappointing to me, the offensive line. I said they're it's an F. They were really, really bad. Yeah. They, it, it was so important, specifically, I don't know if on the whole it was an F performance, if you want to get into the minutia of it, but it was so important for them to have a good game yesterday. So, so important. And they got totally dominated front to front to back yeah especially Cade Mays and uh Wanya Morse especially yeah. those two did not look good man I, I think they're they're a talented group they played well the first couple of games of the year I mean you're right they're going up against the best defensive line in the country but I still would expect more you expect Georgia's defensive line to kind of win that battle that's just where it is but this is a Offensive line loaded with five stars. The talent is there. You can't use the excuse of they just got out-talented. Maybe Georgia has a little more talent on the defensive side of the ball, but this isn't the Butch Jones 2013 offensive line that's out there playing against Georgia. This is a good group of kids that knows how to play. They've had success. That, that's got to be even more disappointing than Garantano because you expected so much more out of them yesterday. I will say this. If I want to put a a silver lining on it, they were getting smoke blown up their butt all week. From like me too, they looked great against Missouri. The offensive line never gets the credit that it deserves. I you know I want those guys to get the praise. People calling them the TVA and everything. That's awesome. Uh, they might have been high on their own fumes. I I don't know. I hope not. Uh, that, to a decent extent, that's on Will Friend, if that is the case. Um, but hopefully getting kicked in the teeth just makes them that much more focused, that much more ready to put in the work and get get better. You know, that that's it. Because you, yeah, you probably did face the best defensive line you're going to face. And so you got that out of the way. They kicked your butt completely. <laughs> but you got it out of the way. And now m- maybe it's a, it's more of a recentering. They, they can uh, focus up. And, and get better because the it's all there for this offensive line, but you got to execute and you did not, you did not, you got to look like the five stars. Uh, if you're going to go out and, and act like you're the TVA and, and all of this, you, you got to play like it. 
that's it. And so hopefully it hopefully gives them more will to work. It's funny. I saw a lot of people early in the season talking about Will Friend as an offensive line coach and how they questioned that hire at first. And now they turned into a really good coach. Well, after yesterday, immediately, I heard Will Friend and Chris Winkie, the two position coaches that got to go. And I will say that Jeremy Pruitt's close friendship with Will Friend kind of bothers me, or not really bothers me, just kind of concerns me if things were to go south there how quick would Pruitt be to make a move to make Tennessee better that's concerning but I don't I don't necessarily think that that folks should be out on Will Friend after yesterday because in that offensive line they failed kind of together they didn't do what they were supposed to do out there it wasn't scheming they just they didn't play they didn't play to their true talent and I don't know how much of that you can really put on the coach. I mean, I think sometimes these players, you got they have to accept responsibility to some extent. It can't just all fall on the position coaches at all times. Exactly. There, there's a, a balance of both. Like I said, some some of the mentality stuff you can probably put on the coach if they were high on their own fumes, kind of how I said. You, you should put that on the coach. The coach needs to be there to be like, uh-uh, no. Focus up. You, you got work to do, even though everybody's kissing your butt this week. But... Also, there is that complete factor of just you got to have your head in the game. And they, at least it looked like they did not. And that's really disappointing. But you're going to have a chance to to bring it. Kentucky next week is pretty good. We're going to talk about that to end the show. Kentucky next week is they have a good defense. And you're going to have another week to kind of prove yourself. So uh, hopefully they do improve. But moving on to the defensive side of the ball, what grade would you give the defensive line? I would kind of go B minus, I think, with the defensive line. Maybe a B. I mean, they weren't perfect, but we saw a lot of great things, I thought, better than we expected. That goal line stand, I mean, that's that's a big boy play that you don't see Tennessee make in previous years. I mean, that's an automatic touchdown almost every year before this season, especially against Georgia. They weren't perfect by any means, but I was encouraged by what I saw yesterday, especially in the first half. Yeah, I would say B. B, B minus. They ran out of steam. They I mean, they did. were on the field too long. And that's that's the toughest part is because the whole game, and this applies to the entire defense. I just watched and I went, oh, you don't, you don't deserve this. In that sequence with the fumbles, I was just cringing because you had, you know, a, a strip sack at the 15-yard line or something, and they held for a field goal. They yeah. held Jordan to a field goal. That's huge. And then he, he goes out again and fumbles again. And it was a little further up the field. Thank God. Oh, boy. Yeah. Um, and I just – it was just so hard because you just go, oh, the defense is saving you here. The one negative is the DeAndre Johnson penalty. That, that, I think oh, we, that was terrific. We, we have Glad, to yes. talk about, yeah. I can't believe I forgot that in my thinking about how bad I felt for the defense. That was so unforgivably stupid. Your best, the guy who has played the best on your defensive line this this year, going out early in the game on a really stupid call. Now, I'll say this. The rule's stupid. Yes. Um, It's just the way that it's designed. He didn't hurt that quarterback. Just shut (laughs) up. That was dumb. But he knows the rules. He knows the rules. He's a senior. He knows the rules. That's coaching. That's coaching. Yeah, you, you all the be penalties. Disciplined. Yeah, it's it's very similar to Jeremy Banks a couple weeks ago. You got to You just you got to know that's you're playing SEC football. You're playing big boy football. You got to know these things that hurts. But the fact that they played as well as they did, even without the guy that has looked the best on that defensive line, they held they held pretty strong on the run until they got really worn down. Uh, I mean, ultimately, uh, they Georgia did go for one 193, and it was really a little bit more than that because they were, uh, wow, Georgia, <laughs> Georgia gave up technically negative 30 yards. I guess that that's the uh, the opening drive. I I think that would have been the the hike over. Oh yeah, yeah. Then it's head. Um, they they did gouge you, but for the most part, that was late in the game when you were just getting decimated, and they kept giving the ball back to Georgia. Um, you you held decently strong on the run, better than I 
thought they would through the air. Sedson Bennett's not great. He's, I don't know. I've seen some people really kind of kissing up the stats a minute. I don't see it. I don't think that he's even the quarterback of the future for Georgia. No, no. Um, but he, or he might even, I don't know what year is he? Cause I know he's like a walk on. Well, he might like left like, and came back. Yeah. But he, like, I don't think that he's going to be some world beater, but just all in all, they still, Georgia had more speed, which was expected, had more speed, just better at the skill positions in general. But I, I'll say this, with the way everything shook out, the defense played well enough. And the offense just let them down. And that was so hard to watch. Yeah, against uh. against an inferior opponent, against a, uh, you know, Kentucky, maybe Vanderbilt, the this this game looks a whole lot different with the way the defense played. Definitely, the story of the game would have been the stout defensive line play. It would have just been a. I think we forget how good Georgia is. Uh, they're a lot better than I thought they were after the first week against the Arkansas. I did not think Georgia was a national title contender, and now I think they could be the best team in the SEC. That defense is the real deal. And defense goes a long way because the way the college football shakes out nowadays, nobody has a good defense. That's rare yeah. to have a really, really good defense. Even Alabama, Alabama has shifted. And frankly, their defense got annihilated last night by Ole Miss. Um, they've, they've shifted to kind of an offense first model, which I never thought I would see from Nick Saban. And, and so that's just the way that it's going. But to have a great defense, you're going to be unlike a lot of other elite teams in the fact that you just have a lockdown defense and it's, they're going to be tough to beat because of just that. Imagine if they, points on them. imagine if they had Jamie Newman playing quarterback for them right yeah. now. If you, if they had a serviceable quarterback, they're probably the best team in America. And that's, I, I hate to say that, but it is what it is. Um, yeah. Georgia is being held back by Stetson Bennett to some extent. <laughs> and that's gross. And I hate it because Georgia is the worst, but um, it is what it is. And so I, we can we we've sort of been talking in general uh, about the defense, but the linebackers, I, I, I go about the same ish B minus right right in there. You still got shredded, even if to a decent extent it wasn't necessarily your fault because you were getting worn into the ground. Um, but I there were some plays specifically from Henry Toto where he he missed tackles just whiffed on some things and i went ah that has to that's got to improve he's he's a great leader on that defense he looks awesome at uh, most of the time but they they got work to do yeah i'm more i'm honestly a little lower i'm i'm kind of more towards c minus and it's really all about the coverage i mean yes, the linebackers okay. cannot agree. cover agree. yeah i'll agree with that I, I'm kind of wondering how much that has to do with uh, Brian Niedermeyer being the inside linebackers coach. He's he's very inexperienced when it comes to being a position coach on the defensive side of the ball. I know he kind of started on on the defensive side of the ball at Alabama as a as a, a defensive analyst or a graduate graduate assistant, but he doesn't have a lot of experience coaching in the SEC on the defensive side of the ball and. The coverage from Toto, Crouch, Banks, they play aggressive, but the coverage is just not there. And, the, and Tennessee yep. is getting shredded in the middle of the field, and that's a big problem. It is uh, a glaring problem and has not – it was a glaring problem from week one, and it hasn't been fixed, obviously. Against Georgia, you do have to give them a little bit of a handicap because you're playing against a bunch of six stars, <laughs> and that is what it is. But at, at the same time, it just it has to get better – with some of the athleticism that you have seen out of Toto and Banks, you would think it would be better than it has been. I'll just say that. I'll put it that way. Um, and so that that just what you're saying there kind of leads us into the DBs too. Maybe we can sort of talk about both. I would go sort of, sort of the same. Uh, yeah, maybe like C to B minus somewhere uh, in there. Because um, it they definitely get blown by. At times, also sometimes they make plays where I go, "Huh, hey, there's there's some promise," uh, and it just you gotta keep getting better. Right, that's kind of my bottom line with these guys. Yeah, I'm pretty much at a C with them too. It's really hard to grade them just based against uh, you're playing Stetson Bennett, like you said. How good is he? Georgia didn't really have to throw the ball that much. They kind of were able to. They won the ball defensive, won the game defensively. They were able to run the ball. 
They didn't need Stetson Bennett to throw for 400 yards. Um, Bryce Thompson, I think they kind of stayed away from him. I mean, he's Tennessee's best defensive back. Schamberger being back, it didn't really seem to make a huge difference like I thought it would. Um, Alante Taylor still, I love the aggressiveness he plays with, but still gets blown by at times, still kind of looks lost at times. It's it's so I expect more out of the secondary. It, it's kind of disappointing, to be honest, because they're talented kids, just like the offensive line. They're, they're talented. They just haven't put it together. Haven't put it together, and you just, the moment, you just do not have the same speed to match these guys. And skill skill can come. Speed's a lot tougher. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's, you got to switch players <laughs> to get better speed. Um, but they, I think they will improve. It's going to be uh, a unit that probably shows their best against lesser opponents. And then, yeah, the, it, the gap between this team and, and the elite squads is still, still decent. And that sucks. I don't think that any of us expected Tennessee to be in that elite echelon this year. It, it here's here's my question because this is really the entire discussion with Tennessee if they're getting to this elite level or not. Do you see Tennessee crossing over soon? Because Yes, Tennessee was competitive. You had the lead at the half, yada, yada. Also, your offensive line got dominated. They were definitely a lot faster than you. Like It was just pretty clear that Georgia was the better team. It, it wasn't even really in question, even though you were competitive at times. Do you see I, that gap closing? I kind of wrote about this this morning. It was the first thing on my mind when I woke up this morning. To me, Tennessee... It's kind of following, I'm not saying this is where they'll get to, but they're kind of following the Clemson model under Dabo Sweeney. It was a long build to that program. It took Dabo eight seasons, I think, to get to the championship game. They kind of slowly started getting better. You got some nine-win seasons, some 10-win seasons, 11-win seasons. But within those seasons, Clemson's rolling, they're 6-0 or something, all of a sudden they get blown out by Florida State or somebody, just kind of like Tennessee did with Georgia. And then they look good the rest of the year. But he eventually built something that was sustainable, and I feel like that's kind of what Pruitt's doing at Tennessee. He's not taking shortcuts. I compared it this morning to to dieting. You know, he's not crash dieting and and trying to flip this thing immediately. He's building it with long-term goals. Now, does he get there? I mean, I don't know. There's really no way to predict that. I think he's doing everything right. I think he's taking the right approach. I don't I don't see any crazy red flags at this point. You'd like to win those games, obviously. You want to see them break through and, and win a game they shouldn't win. But as long as they they keep getting better, I think they're on the right track. But I, I don't think they're going to be a national title contender in the next year or two at this point. I really don't. Yeah. I, I feel very similarly. It might be slower than some people want it to be. It might ultimately be just too slow. I hope that, oh God, I hope that doesn't end up happening. I, I want just give me the consistency for some decent amount of time. Um, but it is pretty clear they're getting better over time, but it's just marginal. That's the toughest part. You want to see that big jump. You want to see like a Rick Barnes. You want, cause you, you know, you saw it in your other major sport, Rick Barnes flipped that thing around in three years. You had one of the best teams in America and that's great. Basketball is a completely different sport. Kirby smart. Like if you, I hope nobody's making this comparison. Kirby smart had elite talent. The second he stepped in Georgia made mm. a pretty hasty decision, getting rid of Rick, ultimately probably the right decision. Uh, well, I would say, yes, the right decision. They played in the national title his, his second year. But um, but he had elite talent the second he stepped in the door at Georgia. Pruitt o- took over a complete dumpster fire. And it is going to be a slow rebuild. But I don't – it's tough at the same time. I don't want to give him too much leeway. At, to, at a certain point, and we're not at this point yet, but at a certain point, you just got to get it done. They are getting better. Quarterback is obviously a giant problem, and I'm not sure exactly how you solve that right now. Uh, if, if I did, obviously, I'd probably be a quarterback's coach over there. So, you know, hey. But it's yeah, 
I think the one, the quarterback, the offensive line play, obviously we've talked about a lot, was disappointing. And the penalties, I think, is really what yeah, okay, got me. Because yes. that is coaching. That is nothing but coaching. Well, and, and this, the, the toughest part about that is because I believe through the first two games, you had four or five penalties total. And then you had like six penalties in the first half yesterday. What happened? I mean, it's almost like their focus, better? the focus was on too much on playing aggressive and not playing disciplined is what it kind of felt like. Maybe. I I could definitely see that where they just wanted to come out and prove themselves rather than just going out and playing sound football. I, I could see it. Uh, you got to have this controlled aggressiveness. It has to be controlled you have to I mean it's what Alabama has done for years I mean Nick Saban is is able to get that out of his players I think Pruitt wants to get that out of his players he just hasn't figured out how to yet yeah it hopefully it'll get there we'll see but it that is just the gonna be the ongoing question with Pruitt can you get into that upper upper echelon it's it's pretty clear you're in the upper half of the SEC great that's cool that's better than where we were but that's a good point through. because I was saying, tweeting some stuff last night about, you know, when, when is Tennessee finally going to break through? And somebody brought up a good point. You know, when Jeremy Pruitt came to Tennessee, they weren't beating South Carolina consistently. They weren't beating Missouri. They weren't winning those games consistently. I think we forget, you know, Tennessee handled a Missouri team last week easily. They ended up beating LSU this week and putting up 45 points on LSU. Tennessee's in a better place than they were, obviously. They are winning the games they're supposed to win. You just you just want to see them perform better against Georgia and break through and win one of these games. Now, maybe later this season they beat Alabama, they beat Florida. The whole view of Pruitt has changed then. For sure. Yeah, you're going to have your opportunities. Um, that's kind of long and the short of it. You just they have to take advantage of them. I, kinda, I guess I sort of look at it this way, if you want to go with the the breakthrough analogy you've broken through the drywall <laughs> and now you're up against a brick wall that's you've gotten past one layer which is to get into the top half of the sec that's great and if you if you stay there consistently you're better than butch awesome um but now you're up against that elite that's moving where you can beat your alabamas your floridas your georgias and that's, that's something that's else job. Something else I think is very important for people to understand is I think I saw somebody reply to maybe one of your tweets last night talking about Butch Jones beat beat Georgia in his third year. Oh, that's two different things. That's two Georgia different Georgia teams. Yeah, yeah it's not the same Georgia. You can't compare 2018, 2019, 2020 Georgia to 2013, 14, or 15 Georgia, or even the Kirby Smart's first year Georgia. It's not even close. Yeah, that's that's an absurd comparison. I and that is ultimately the toughest part of this is ultimately Pruitt's job will always hinge on beating Florida, Alabama, Georgia. It always will. This job always has, and it sucks. All of those teams are really good right now. Butch had it. Butch had it in hand. Jim McElwain sucked. Mark Richt was in the twilight of his time there and had really sort of fallen off. He, you know, he just lost focus. Like, and they were down. Georgia was down. Florida was down. Alabama was really good, but Butch always got smashed by Alabama. So, except for twenty fifteen, he almost. That's oh, that's true. He, yeah, you had a a lead against Alabama with like two minutes left. That's true. Okay, fine. So Butch did give Alabama one good run in his. (laughs) That was it. Um, but. It's just totally different. Georgia is absolutely elite. They played for a national championship two years ago. They're, that is what it is. You hate to say it because you hate Georgia. It's me too. They're elite. Alabama's elite. Florida, mm-hmm. obviously they lost to Texas A&M yesterday. Not going to say they're elite. Uh, that defense. That all, that, yeah, offense, really good. That defense is... Ugh, ugh. I'll just put it that way. Um, but that just... It is what it is. And it's a tough climb for Pruitt, but you just got to take it on. And so we'll see. As we've already said, he has his opportunities still ahead of him. Uh, and 
we'll just kind of go from there. But let's uh, give a quick preview uh, of uh, the Kentucky game, and then we'll uh, we'll finish with a question that I put out on Twitter, and just to get a little discussion of that. Kentucky is what Kentucky always is. I, I'll just kind of say that's just what it seems like. Maybe they're a little bit better. Maybe they're not as good as they have been. It's it's so hard to judge the Kentucky game with Tennessee because Kentucky had its greatest year ever in Pruitt's first year. I mean, it was the, the greatest year in, in the history of Kentucky football, probably. They had some good years with Rich Brooks, but probably their best year ever. And Tennessee still beat them. Tennessee stunk that year. <laughs> and Tennessee still beat them. So I, I, with this game, I always go, just to start off this conversation, I, I just come from a place where I'm like, Kentucky's going to beat, or uh, Tennessee's going to beat Kentucky until they don't. Like, that's just kind of how I feel. You've beaten them 35 out of the last 37 or something like that. Like, it's just, that's the game. Kentucky, Tennessee is to Kentucky what Florida is to Tennessee. We're just in their head. You just have them by the short hairs, and it just kind of is the way that it is. So I, I'll i start off by saying that's the mindset that I come from with this the Kentucky game. Yeah, I mean, Kentucky's a well-coached team. I, I like Mark Stoops a lot. I think he should get out of Kentucky as soon as he can turn that into a better job because I think he'll have some success somewhere. You just can't get the talent at Kentucky that you need and that's why Tennessee should win this game easily. They're going to out-talent Kentucky just like they always do. Um, that's, I mean, that's pretty much it. They're better. They're better at every position pretty much. Kentucky's good defensively. I don't think offensively they're going to be able to do enough to, to overcome Tennessee's defense because I think, like we were talking about earlier, Tennessee's defense played well against Georgia, but Georgia's really good. They're going to play – really well against Kentucky and it's going to look like they've played a lot better because of who they're playing. Yeah, that's very, very similar to how I feel. Kentucky is a little tough to judge because they, uh, old Miss put up 42 on them, but then Mississippi State put up two. <laughs> that is baffling because so, KJ Costello set a SEC record against LSU earlier this year and then against Kentucky, he throws four interceptions. And- he got... 230 yards. Benched. Benched yesterday. KJ Costello for some kid named Will Rogers, named after a <laughs> like an old country star. I mean, and, he threw the ball 55 times and only threw for 230 yards. That's that's not good. And I just maybe LSU's defense is the worst defense in the league this year. I don't know. Maybe. But it it's weird in back-to-back weeks that that's what happened. Obviously, Ole Miss's offense is really powerful. And Kentucky scored 41 points, so obviously Ole Miss's defense. And then Ole Miss gave up, what, 62 to Alabama yesterday? <laughs> Ole Miss's defense needs some work. Um, but it's they've had kind of an odd string of games just because of the teams that they've played. And they're, Kentucky's 1-2, and two, which is probably of where I would guess they would be. I probably, if at, when the season began, I probably would have flipped. I think they... I would have guessed they beat Ole Miss and then lost to Mississippi State, but nonetheless, this is here. Here we are. Auburn put put up twenty nine on them, and they could only produce thirteen points against Auburn. and And I would say when I look uh, at at this game, that's how I sort of expect the Tennessee game to go. Probably not going to be the shootout like they had with with Ole Miss. Uh, Tennessee's defense is going to give them problems for sure. And then I I, I just think that. As much grief as we've given him, I think JG against Kentucky will be able to produce enough to win. Um, and then that's that's where we'll be. Like I said, Tennessee's going to beat Kentucky until they don't. It's yeah, just, I, think, I think we'll see the running backs kind of find their form again. Eric Gray, expect a big day from him. Like you said, JG will get Palmer and Brandon Johnson more involved. It'll be a much different game than what we saw against Georgia, or at least I expect it to be. And I'll say this in terms of expectations. I want to see the offensive line come out angry, come out with a purpose, and just be pancaking people. Because you need to be absolutely pissed off with how badly they got beat. That you, and I'm sure that this is the case, with how competitive some of those guys are. Trey Smith, such a, a great kid, great leader. I'm sure the messaging behind the scenes today is, 
you know, what the hell are we doing? Get it together. We got to go out, work hard this week and, and lay it to Kentucky. I'm sure that's going to be the case. Actually go out and do it because yeah. that, I'm sure the mindset was there for Georgia too. And <laughs> you got whipped up and down the field. So yeah, you come out and you beat Kentucky like 42 to seven or something. And that really erases like any doubt of how this team responds kind of sends a message because we've seen Tennessee lay down and and get beat bad by Georgia and other teams and come out the next week and also be flat. I mean, you see a team that comes out kind of ready to play next week. And, and like you said, the offensive line kind of has their way with Kentucky's defensive line. That's a good sign moving forward for Tennessee then. For sure. And so we, we will see Kentucky does, you know, they have some guys, Terry Wilson, um, specifically with his running ability is going to give you problems to whatever extent he's going to get his. He always kind of does, even against Mississippi State, only threw for 73 yards, but only threw 20 passes. And then he carried the ball 13 times for 50 yards, four, yard four yards-ish average there. Um, Kentucky only had, what, 150, 160 total yards of offense? Yeah, and but I think they, I believe, did they score one or two defensive touchdowns in this game? Yeah, they had to have because that's – and Mississippi State's defense is not anything to write home about by any means. It, no. And so I, I think Tennessee, kind of how I fell with South Carolina and Missouri, on paper, you're the winner here. And historically, you're in Kentucky's head. They hate playing Tennessee. Tennessee just always has their number, even when Kentucky is good. Um, and so uh, let, let's give a score prediction and – I'll, like I said, I, I think it'll probably be similar to the Auburn-Kentucky game. So Tennessee probably 28-17. Um, I'm close to that. I've got 31-17 wrote down. Okay. Um, Tennessee, I think I think they went by two scores. Um, hopefully we'll be closer than we were last week. Uh, with the Georgia score predictions. You remember what you predicted oh. for that? I th- I mean, I said it was going to be close. I think I said, what, like 27, 27, 21 or something? Yep, you had 27, 21. I had 27, 13. And, uh, I nailed the 21 for Tennessee, let me just say. There you go. <laughs> nailed it. Yeah. <laughs> it's two weeks in a row that you've got Tennessee's points right. I wish I was wrong. Uh, I'll say that. <laughs> I really, really wish I was wrong. Um, but that hopefully this next week we'll, we'll get it together better, but just all in all, you're better. We we've already said Tennessee has moved on into, uh, the upper half of the SEC where this is the game you should win, go win it. Um, it's kind of that, that simple. And then we'll, we'll move on to Alabama. We've, mm, boy, I oh really boy. hope no. if dude, yeah, if Tennessee, mm. let, let's say this, if Tennessee loses to Kentucky, this is going to be a tough podcast next week because mm-hmm. going to be some interesting questions that arise from that. Um, so don't don't make us do that, please. Really, Thank yeah, you. this Kentucky game is really huge in that aspect because that shapes the whole narrative of the rest of the season. Really, you come out and have your way, and it erases some doubts. You barely win or you lose, and yeah, things change real quick then. Yeah, even even if you have to have like a comeback win for say Tennessee yeah. or uh, Kentucky has lead late and you got to come back but you still win, that's not good because that means the Alabama game certainly not going to go well and your chances for maybe going something like eight and two, seven and three go down exponentially. But that's that. We'll we'll just have to see exactly how it goes. Just don't don't make us have that conversation. Come on, Tennessee, just go out, go play angry and beat the snot out of Kentucky, uh, and and we'll be happy. So we'll finish the show with the, the question that I asked on Twitter. This morning, I said, Tennessee, now 2-1. and one. What is your prediction for their final record this season? I said 8-2 and two or better, 7-3, and 6-4, and 5-5, five and five or worse. The predominant answer with 44% of the vote, was seven and three that followed by 39% for six and four, 12% for five and five or worse. And then only 5% of people think eight and two or better. Not a lot of faith in Tennessee uh, losing to Alabama, but beating Florida or vice versa. Zach, where are you on this one? I definitely don't think they're going to finish eight and two. 
realistically, I should say six and four, but I actually kind of left that Georgia game feeling almost encouraged by what I expect to see the rest of the season from Tennessee because of the way they responded last year when they lost to Georgia State and BYU. Um, if there's one thing that Pruitt knows how to do, he knows how to kind of rally the troops and get them refocused. I think you'll see a Tennessee team the rest of the season that plays a lot better. I don't expect them to beat Alabama, but I do think they're capable of beating Florida. I'm not ready to predict that that's the upset they pull. I think they can beat Auburn, Texas A&M. I mean, those those are all winnable games. They're losable games too, to, to be clear, but I think they're going to win the games they're supposed to win win one they're not supposed to win, I think they'll finish seven and three. I mean, I feel even after that yesterday, I I feel just the way Jeremy Pruitt kind of based on last year, I I think they can do that. I feel very similarly, but I'm going to drop it one more game. I think they split Auburn and uh, Auburn and A&M probably beat Auburn, lose to A&M. Well, something like that. And so I'll say six, six and four, and obviously that involves specifically and where I think the conversation is going to get tough is that it's going to be that season ending loss to Florida. If it goes the way that I think it's going to go because Florida will probably lose to Georgia. They'll be coming into that game seven and two. And if you, if you beat them, you'll have the same exact record as Florida, which I, I would say to end this season, that's exactly where you want to be. You want to be right on par with your biggest rival. That's, you know, at, at worst, right at worst, I'll say that you want to be right on par with your biggest rival at worst and then be able to leapfrog from there. And it's not going to be a fun conversation. I mean, you're, you're not probably going to be talking about f- firing Pruitt or anything like that, but you're probably going to be talking about mm, maybe we should move on from this staff or this guy. These obviously you're probably going to be talking about a quarterback change. <laughs> we'll see. Um, That's the biggest thing. It's so hard with that Florida game right now is. I don't think the season is going to go through these next six or so games and we're going to keep having the same conversation about Garantano. I mean, maybe he's still going to be in the picture, but we saw last season he's going to get benched at some point. And then all these other quarterback questions are going to arise. What's it look like by the Florida game? That's I think that's impossible to even know right now because I don't think that it's just going to be Garantano's the guy for 60 minutes by that point. I, I, there's no way. It's hard to imagine that. And we'll have to judge that when it comes, but I'll, I'll say six and four. And I, I want to read some, uh, some of the responses just cause I appreciate everybody. Their candor with us on, on Twitter. Mike Jaley said, I was fooled after the first two weeks. Now back to reality, which is we still can't play with the big boys and we've got too many big boys left on the schedule. Ashton305 said, I think we've seen the best defense that we have left on the schedule. Alabama will probably be the most productive offense. Last year, the supposed problem was none of the other QBs knew enough of the playbook. If JG continues to struggle early against UK, it's time for Shroud. Uh, West Tennessee Vol said, so many toss-ups, hard to predict six and four. Or it's hard to predict any better than six and four. Uh, <laughs> Sean Fincham um, said, Folks voting seven and three with Garantano QB are delusional sheep. I mean, it's kind of what we're saying. I'm not necessarily thinking that Garantano is going to be the quarterback for the rest of the season. I think that's going to be totally in flux and get weird when he has a really terrible game, which is inevitably going to happen. So uh, it's it's going to be pretty interesting to see how, how the rest of this season plays out. You know what was interesting with this podcast? You were harsher on Tennessee than me. And I, I've always kind of had the reputation of being a, a doom and gloomer. Like I, I guess I was with, uh, when I said Tennessee's completely out of the sec East race, we need to move on to another quarterback. Um, that's kind of my normal hot, hot take. Realistically, if I want to completely unravel that, you know, Georgia loses to Alabama next week and some other pieces fall into place. Okay, fine. They're technically, you're not out of the SEC East race, but you with the grades and stuff, you were a little bit kinder. That's I, I'm glad because usually like when I was on with Swain, it was just like, oh, here comes Charlie again. Fire everybody. Here we go. 
Well, I mean, that's that's kind of how it's been the last 10 years, though. I mean, really, it's just the same old Tennessee. So I'm, I'm sure people, they're getting to the point where why even have optimism? Like, it's probably tough to, to tough, be optimistic man. at times. But It is tough. Know. Pruitt has made me a little more of an optimist. I can't say that. Because with Butch, I would say after, after 2015, I was like, screw this guy. Then he got me back a, a touch after beating Georgia and Florida, but I was still very like, all right, let's see how the rest of the season goes. And by the end of 2016, I was like, get this loser out of here. Just punt yeah. his butt back to the American conference. The thing with um, Butch, I felt like even from the very beginning, from the time he was hired, I was trying to convince myself that he was the right guy for Tennessee, that he was a good fit, all that stuff. I mean, I constantly had to convince myself with Pruitt, I mean, there's. I, I would rather it go a different way than it's went in some games, but I, I always feel like I feel comfortable with him there. Like I, I trust that he knows what he's doing. I never felt that with Butch. Obviously, no nobody in their right mind did. I mean, and I don't know. Jeremy Pruitt could end up being Will Muschamp for all we know. He could be another Saban assistant that's a pretty good defensive mind, but doesn't really know how to make a team take him to being at a, at an elite level. That's certainly possible. But I still, I don't know, I just have a weird feeling of trust. Like, I, I it's maybe it's the calmness that he portrays in press conferences at times, his, his candidness at times. I just, I feel like I trust him with the program and where it's eventually going to land. I do too. As, as of right now, I'm, I'm right there with you. The, even though they are marginal steps, they are still steps forward and I just really like that you have a guy who'll get up, not BS you. And, yeah. And just That's huge. all this these garbage lines and make excuses. He does. He just gets up and, and kind of obviously he just talks from a total football guy sort of perspective. It's just who he is. Eats, sleeps, drinks football. Um, well, he's not secretive. I mean, and he said that before. There are no secrets. If he doesn't want to tell you something because he thinks it's a competitive disadvantage, He'll tell you that. And sometimes football coaches, especially college football coaches, are a little absurd with what they think will be a competitive disadvantage or advantage. But, I mean, he's he's pretty straight up. I mean, if you ask him a question, he's going to answer it honestly. And if he doesn't want to tell you, he's just going to tell you that he doesn't want to tell you and leave yeah, it at that. It's so appreciated. So even, yes, even if he does not turn into the – the SEC champion that we would like to see. At least I can say thank you for not being a BS artist like Butch. That's it's well appreciated. I'll ask you this. If Jeremy Pruitt turns into a Mark Rick type coach where he's getting you 10 wins a year, but he's never getting you to the championship game. I mean, how do you feel about that? Because Tennessee hasn't even been at that level for a long time. I mean, 15 years, they haven't been at that level, really. How, well, how do you view Pruitt then? It'll be great for a time. I can say that just initially, um, because you'll always be in the SEC East race, and Tennessee hasn't done that for so long. Uh, well, you know, the last time you played in the championship game was 07. So that's that would be great for a time. And then you get to like year four of that, and you go, okay, what are we doing? And being stuck in purgatory like that is torture. Uh, it is. Because that, that's sort of how really the Titans have been uh, the last three years. So I have a little bit of taste of it. They've been right on that edge where you're, you're making the playoffs last year. You make the AFC championship game, but you're just, you're not the Chiefs, you know, <laughs> and you're just not, you're not going to be. And so it's, it's annoying, but I, hey, Let's get there, and then let's talk about it. I'll put it that way. Let's get there, because that would be an improvement. And then we can kind of... And it's see. hard this year with the 10-game schedule to really judge this year. But I feel like if if this was a normal year, Tennessee's probably at a nine, nine-win year, maybe regular season yeah. with a chance at 10. Probably. So they're kind of, they would probably be at that point. But, I mean, yeah, you hope they get there, but... It is going to be a strange day if they get there and can't get past that. You look last year if you uh, if you start the season off correctly with uh, with wins over BYU and uh, and Georgia, Georgia State. State. That's a, it's a nine win year. You would have already had he would have had one under his belt. It's a, it's a ten win year with the bowl game if they win. Oh, that's right. Those. Yeah, 
That's true. Yeah. So, I mean, yeah, you're already getting there. Um, but that's, it will be annoying, but let's just see. Because also at the same time, Dabo, you brought him up earlier. Right. He was that way for years where it was, you Clemsoned. Clemson, it was yeah. Clemsoning. When you, you, ha- you beat everybody, then you get to the most important game of the year and you blow it. You know, it was things like that. Or you blow it against like a crappy team. Uh, and, and you're undefeated against some of the better teams. Like it's, uh, it is possible to break out of that. It's hard. Um, but just uh, let's get to that point where Dabo was at, and then <laughs> we can just uh, assess at that point. But that's, I think that's it. Please don't make us have a disappointing podcast next week, Tennessee. Please, 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 please. All right, I'm Charlie Burris. That's Zach Reagan. Thank you so much for listening at Charlie underscore Burris at Zach TNT at A to Z sports and A to Z sports Nashville.com. If you want to read all of Zach's stuff that he mentioned during the show today, uh, subscribe to the A to Z sports podcast network feed, iTunes, Spotify, go over there and do that so that you don't miss any of our episodes. And uh, I think that's all Zach until next week. We'll see you. See you guys later. And if it's one that you need